1974, the first tabletop role-playing game was created. Since then, people from all around have gathered to play. Join me as we talk with RPG enthusiasts while they share their best, worst, and favorite moments. This is You Had to Be There. Hey everyone, welcome to You Had to Be There, a D&D storytelling podcast. Uh, I have my first uh, my first guest from Serbia, right? Serbia today. Um, I am joined by Niko Mitrovic from Elven Firefly. Uh, Elven Firefly, I checked out the website. It's very, very cool, filled with uh, different um, adventure locations, NPCs, D&D articles, and I do like how you mention how it's kind of uh, system agnostic and you can kind of like play around through different systems. So how long have you been doing your website for? Thank you very much. First of all, thank you for having me. Uh, Yeah, of course. Absolute pleasure. Yeah. Uh, I've been having a a website for a year uh, for now. I I was talking about it to, to start this for a couple of years. But then, like, uh, suddenly I was talking to my father, and he was very supportive, and he said, yeah, yeah, okay, so you should make a website. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a website, you know, next month, next month, next month. And one day he just uh, calls me, and he says, so I set up a meeting with my web uh, developer. You're going to go, and you're going to make a website. And uh, it started from there. Awesome. Uh, How long were you playing? How long have you been playing uh, tabletop RPGs? Uh, for about seven or eight years. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, that's a good was, chunk of time. Yeah, two two thousand and fifteen. Uh, I started. Is uh is D and D like like fifth edition your main thing, or do you play other systems? I wish uh to diverse to more uh systems. Uh, recently, I saw a cool Kickstarter um about Blade Runner, a Blade Runner RPG. So oh, they have a different. Cool. Yeah, they have a different system, and I'm eager to check that out. But it's been a D and D for me, uh, for me, uh, from the the beginning. Nice. What what got you? What got you started? Like what? Uh, what sparked it initially? Uh, so in 2015, uh, I saw a video online of people playing, and okay. it was uh, so mesmerizing and and uh, like uh, capturing. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, all, all that. So I sent a message to my friend and said, "Hey, uh, do you know about?" this game and he says yeah it's it's D and i'm like yes i see it's D and it's the perfect hobby that we can uh we can do and he says yeah well i can run you a game and i, and I said so for a couple of years we've been knowing each other and you're telling me this now uh, okay and, so uh, so he was playing for a while already yeah yeah oh not, that's hilarious not uh, uh so often but he uh knew the ropes and he uh ran a session for for me and my friend and it was uh it was a very good session you know that all that possibilities coming into play of what you're gonna do will you uh climb the tree or set a camp uh on the bottom yeah and so on and uh since then i said well this is awesome but this can go so much deeper so much more and there can be a whole world and i have to be the world and since then, I've been I've been running it. 
mostly running it uh since then nice do you yeah. and you i'm guessing from your website you homebrew like your own worlds and everything i am a little curious like so in is is D big in serbia i don't really know much about the yeah yeah that is an excellent question uh not not so much not so, not much. so much and that's that's why i it took some time for me to discover it uh because we we weren't so uh, so exposed to to that um right but over the years, as uh, the D&D and tabletop uh, RPGs are on the rise, there have been more and more people uh, going into, uh, into D&D. And actually, yesterday, I was uh, on a birthday party. And usually, when people ask me, like, what do you do? I just say, write. Because to explain to them that I do tabletop, but I write, but I'm not really a novelist. I right. write articles and, and all that. And I mentioned uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and uh, one person like who is like forty or fifty goes, "Yeah, I know that." Uh, another person goes, "Like, yeah, I played that as well." So it was yeah. the most pleasant conversation that I had. As like, yeah, that's that's like what's so fun about this, and, and I part of the reason why like I I started doing what I do is because I was so shocked to find out how many people I still meet people, and like I'm you know. Maybe they don't currently play, but maybe they, they played like in the eighties or whatever and yeah. they're just like, Oh, I didn't even realize like people still did that and yeah, it's it's a it's an amazing culture shock on how many I've only been playing for a couple of years myself, but like I've been blown away by like the history and stuff like that. Uh when you what kind of a DM style do you do? Are you like super by the rules? Do you kind of keep it loosey goosey somewhere in between? Uh somewhere in between. I well more like loosey goosey. I like to use the rules to enforce the story if it is relevant to the story let, let's uh, enforce it to to make a fun moment and um i usually I, I like to get descriptive but not so much i like to immerse players into the the world and uh hit on that on, on those emotion uh, emotions like about npcs and and uh, the plot twist and everything and um occasionally i i like to break fourth wall like uh oh, having yeah? A, yeah like in a, one in one of the campaigns, the party uh, had uh, cleaned some uh, mines from some undead and so on, and there was only one miner who survived, and it was a bloodbath. Okay. So after after the one hour of the battle, the survival uh, the the miner who survived just looked at them, and he was so uh, stupefied he just went clapping. And we made it a, a running joke that every time when they kill uh, or clean a dungeon, uh, like far away into a different continent, there is this miner who somehow magically follows them and just claps just. and disappears. You should start. You should make him into a bard at some point, just like a level yeah. one bard that follows them around, telling yeah. their stories. That's that's hilarious. That's that's funny. Uh, do you have any other like? Well, I mean, I I see. Uh, I like that that turtle NPC you just put on your website. What was um her name? Oh, uh, uh Grandma Tiaba. Grandma yes, Tia. Yes, yes, Grandma Thank Tia. So I much. love turtles a lot. They're like one of my favorite races. So right away, uh, yeah. I love that. Is is that one that was drawn from one of your games, or is that one that you kind of did, uh, mostly for your website? I did it mostly uh for for the website for the for the to share it with people, and it was uh inspired by a lovely creator in tabletop RPG space, uh, Penny Blake, shout out. Yeah, uh, sure. A wonderful, a wonderful person. And 
she just inspired me so much, and I was just thinking about uh, an NPC and and uh, the similarities between uh, her and 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 Grandmatia, and I just mashed it together, and it was uh, a perfect. Lovable NPC, a very lovable NPC. Yeah, yeah, she seems like it. I uh, I always picture like turtles. I'm more of that like kind of big, calm, lovable mm-hmm. kind of front. Mm-hmm. Which is, I made a turtle barbarian, but he was like this sweet old man and would only like get, you know, he would rage. But I gave him like ancestral guardian. So even when he was raging, like his main focus was, you know, I'm gonna hit and then try to make everyone hit me and not my friends. Like very like caretaking kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, things i I love that about turtles um you said you mentioned penny blake it was yes yes it is penny. uh penny blake yes um did reviewer. she do the artwork too or is no. who does the artwork for you uh myself yourself I, you do the artwork too yes oh but, my gosh uh, i i do it i do it kind of draw slash photo bash so i uh purchase uh pictures from uh shutterstock and so on and then i blend it uh together uh to to make it but it has a it has a drawback because sometimes i have the idea that i cannot find the perfect picture and bashing right. it uh, it's not it doesn't give the desired result not always feasible yeah 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 so in the future uh, i hope uh well it, it will happen i don't know when uh to have a artist uh commission that to do it professionally with their skill and talent yeah and to have that from the mind into the onto the paper the um <clears throat> wow pardon me uh the uh the like twitter community has a lot of really great artists so there's yeah. uh there's definitely places there uh and i there's some like sites too that I, i've spoke with people that you can just go and just kind of like oversee people's art and see what really jives um because yeah. your your website is beautiful like i love the artwork on it uh, very so pretty much. very elegant um cool cool uh what was your when you first started playing? What did you start playing as a character? Who was your first or one of your favorite characters that you remember before you took up the the valiant role of forever DM? <laughs> so uh, I don't remember the first one uh, because it was just one session. Uh, oh, okay. Right after that, I jumped into uh, DMing like three weeks later. Oh my gosh! Oh, all right. Wow. Uh, but I do remember. Uh, one of my favorites, um, we played a couple of years ago. Uh, one of my players ran a campaign, level 20 campaign. Oh. Uh, which we never, we never played level 20. And he said, I want to make this epic. I want to make this big. He said, let's go. And I have a soft spot for dwarves, gnomes, and halflings. Everything that is short. I, is... I, I feel that. <laughs> you said which one? You said gnomes, halflings, and what, what was the first one you said? Dwarves. Dwarves, dwarves, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So this was Orion Stonehammer, and um, he was a war cleric. Uh, he was a captain of uh, that uh, whole like a uh, clergy like order. Yeah. And um, th- because we were level twenty, my friend uh, he allowed me to have a homebrewed item that I made from my world, which is a big. Uh, it's called the Hammer of Grimfor. So it is a big two-handed mole hammer, sort of mole, that you can bash and smash everything. And it has a property that when it hits the ground, you can make whatever item you want. It's like the f- the the forger, uh, the forger's uh, a mole. Okay. And uh, it came into play uh, 
because we were attacked by some uh, dark forces, some demons, and, and really some cultists. And as we were uh, defending the city, there was a big, gigantic portal opening uh, in the sky. Mm-hmm. And we flew up, and immediately uh, Orion thought, okay, so we are basically untouchable, but what about the people? What about the people? So we have to somehow protect the people. And I took uh, a hammer of Grimthor, and I hit the portal and imagined thousands of rings of protection uh, to, to materialize. And, and my friend, he just went with it, and there was a rain of, of rings just falling down uh, on the ground and people uh, taking them and, and putting them on the fingers. Wow, so it, it doesn't even have like a limit of like simple items, just literally any item you want pretty much? Yeah, yeah, pretty it is busted. a god. <laughs> it's a pretty busted weapon there. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kudos to your friend for, for letting you have that. I would have been like, no way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> been, like, you can exactly. make like, you know, a, a tankard or something. I don't know. But no, that that's a very, very cool um, item. So what about your world? Like what what um so you create your own world in your games. Uh what's that like? It is the best thing uh, in the world in this our uh world. I I love it. Um mm-hmm. it it was it was built in steps and it was built through the help of my players. Because when you think about it, you can have all the maps and cities and and whatnot, but you cannot flash out the whole world. Right. The players have to come through it, and you have them to flesh out uh, as <clears throat> as they go. Um, so it all started with a single quest. It was actually that uh, uh, the very quest that uh, that I did three weeks later after playing first time. And it started with a small tavern and a small quest uh, to find a witch, which uh, spread into an area, which spread into the continent, which then spread into five continents. And it was it was gradually building and uh, adding pieces of information and lore. Yeah, I've I've heard that like there's no and it does make sense. There's no way you can flush out an entire world and try to build that off. So starting them in a particular region and just be like, it's a desert up that way. It's not a desert that way. It's this yeah. way. Yeah. So it makes a ton of sense to kind of like slowly make their way through. And it would make sense too. Like I don't know. You know, you can't drop me into Serbia and I know anything about it. You know, it's like, yeah, I need to even driving across the country. Like, I don't even know what some states even remotely look like. So yeah. it makes sense that, you, you know, neither does the DM really have to because it's from the perspective of the players. Uh, how did that first? So they, they went and hunched. The, how many how many players do you like to play with? Do you play uh, a couple questions? Do you play yeah. virtually or in person? And how many players do you play with? So I play both uh, virtual and uh, in person. Okay. Uh, when uh, there was a COVID, it was more virtual. Um, and even now I have a group that we play virtually because we have several people uh, from different countries. Yeah. And I, my sweet spot is four or five players. Uh, five, to be honest, because there's always an uh, odd number so that they can break um, the vote and everything. Yeah, that makes sense. So I think, yeah, five is... is uh, Sweet spot for me. Um, so, what was the other question? Sorry. Uh, how many? I uh, see so you have three, and then um, oh no, you answered both. Uh, three uh-huh. or five. How many do you have in your current game? In my current game, I have one. In one, I have four, which four. is a, a, a small 
short adventure to introduce some uh, friends to, to D&D. And uh, in the other ongoing campaign, I have five. That's cool. Ah, oh, yeah, nice. I like, I think, I think four to five in person, maybe six if you are good. Mm. Uh, virtually, I think three to four is the way to go. Because yeah. um, virtual, just the more people you have, the just harder it gets. Um, especially Absolutely. if you don't use cameras, you can't even see when people are, start, like, you can see when someone yeah. goes to lean in, like they're about to say something, you can stop yourself, but virtual, like you see all those boxes just light up all at once and it gets a little, yeah. uh, little crazy. Um, it, it, it I like, it takes you energy to, to hold the virtual, uh, table attention. attention. Yeah. Yeah. And it's tough too. Cause you don't know, like people get distracted and there's, you're, discord's blowing up on their end you can't even tell you're muted you're muted (laughs) yeah you're muted you're muted yeah exactly um i was blanking out on what i uh is oh the new player thing i love doing that that's why i'm not like a great dm because i also like don't like to prep that much i'm very busy but like i like running games for people that haven't played before i'm like cool now go find someone who knows what they're doing and then i get you know i've had friends i ran a game for and then next you know cut to a month later they're playing in like two or three games a week and it's that's an awesome feeling do so do you do you do that a lot for your like friends who want to try to play uh, i do i do and actually it it, it had uh, gotten to a point when people uh, uh like like this new group that uh, i'm playing with i have a, a one guy who goes like so i spoke with my friends and there's five of them and they would love to have a dm and i was like that is awesome but i i cannot take any more people um, right. So, but I always like, and I have a, another one, another group waiting for me to, uh, they, they don't know anything about it, uh, to run them a game. So I try to introduce uh, to this wonderful hobby as much as I, as much as I can. Nice. Have you ever um, considered, because you've been DMing for so long, there's like sites now like Start Playing and any of these other ones. Yeah. Are you going down that road at all? I have been on that road. Uh, I have uh, I have a profile on uh, Star Playing, nice. and I actually ran a game for free um, to just get sort. Uh, what is it like with new people? You know, you you know your friends, and yeah. You you know their energy and everything, and um, but I I wanted to see if how is it like, and it was an awesome experience. It was scary at first. Uh, I remember I was. Uh, hyperventilating and like okay you can do this you can do this slowly slowly but it was awesome because they bring some stuff that you don't know Uh, they are characters and they are characteristics and they just do something that your players your regular players would uh won't think about and we had like three or four sessions and it was awesome so uh if if needed currently i'm uh devoting my time to to have firefly but if needed i can uh start uh, hosting games again uh, on start yeah yeah i think it's i think it's a really valuable tool to be able to go out and just find someone to run games because like that was always the thing for a lot of people i know is like i want to play but i i can't run a game like i'm not going to mm-hmm. do it and it's really you know not super exp- i've seen like some of the rates some of you know my past i've had past guests who who use start playing and they do it either full-time or part-time and you know really it's not unreasonable i think most game people they're like it's like 20 bucks per person or whatever yeah. and it's like that's for for a few hours of play like you spend more money on, on i can movies. think of you spend more money at taco bell sometimes you know it's like 
it's so I, I think it's such a great resource for people and be like, hey, you want to play? Like, go ahead. You don't need to read the books at all. You know, yeah. read the classes and learn how to play a character. But that's all you really need. Um, very yeah, cool. Exactly. Uh, when you that. did that, did you get more people from your neck of the woods? Did you get people from all over the? No, actually, I, I I got from all over the world. I, That's awesome. I yeah, I haven't. As as we said, it's not so. It, it is getting better, but not so many people uh, play D and D in Serbia. Not that I know of. Right. Um, they are, of course, but not not getting as many there. as in 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 the West. So I got. I think. I think all four people were from U.S. I cannot remember. Um. So, but it was it was fun. It was definitely fun to see and uh have some new experiences yeah and it's and it's also probably a good change of pace for a lot of people too because everyone like you have a different style so maybe they've played with other people before um so that's that's really good uh follow-up question so in serbia was there ever any like misconstrued or misunderstandings about what D was did you ever hear anything like that because like i don't know if you're familiar but like in the states we had like that whole satanic panic and like all this crazy yeah, just I'm, misunderstanding I'm, of the game, and I'm just curious if like yeah. other countries experience that. Uh, I'm, wh- whenever I I read about it and remember it, it it is such a sad thing, you know. Like it it is a wonderful hobby that allows you to experience and to learn and grow. So I'm I'm saddened when I hear that. Here in Serbia, I don't think we had that uh, uh, anything like that. There is maybe a stigma towards nerdy stuff, but right. it's not. Uh, bound to serbia i mean yeah it's 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 worldly yeah that's, so i don't think go ahead it was uh, much of a much of a difference that's good uh, that's good to hear i mean there was always you know the the nerd thing was like pushed down for a while and now like it's just everyone's like nah you can't tell us that we can't enjoy these things like no one cares anymore so like that's that's a good i mean there are still i've seen i've met a few like people that are like oh can you believe what's going on in this world i saw this Adult man got this little figure. They were talking about a pop figurine, and he's like, "I don't understand." And I'm like, "So what? It's not in your house. Cares, <laughs> Mind man. your own business. <laughs> like, I don't care. Like, yeah, it's yeah. so that's good. Um, so what are your what are your games like? Let's get into the 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 fun things. Like, what um your your main campaign now? Like, you have uh the the one that you run full time is that the in person one? Uh, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, I had I had two main campaigns uh, that I ran in person. One is currently uh, dissolved, um, but the other is um, it is it is wonderful because it started with a simple quest. Uh, they were um, bound to find Stormstone, which is uh, a blue bluish crystal that powers the whole uh, world of Drown, my home uh, world. And it started like we go on a quest to find Stormstone. But then their actions uh, uh, were, were painted the whole campaign. So <laughs> along the way, along the way, every creature they had, well, they, had, they were supposed to fight. For example, Rashi, who is a, a big old troll, ice troll. And he has dreadlocks and he's uh, so like uh, loving but also fierce mm-hmm. they made friends with him and then another ogre that they're supposed to kill they made friends with with him as well and mm-hmm. then a bunch of stuff so now the campaign turned into them collecting all the uh, uh various alliances and critters and monsters <laughs> um and uh 
then I, I saw where it, it was going. They found the crystal like half a year ago, but then I pulled the plug and their hometown from, uh, from where they, they began got, um, there was a subterfuge and uh, now one party holding all the people hostage and they locked the doors and everything is chaotic, there is bloodshed. So now they're collecting all that armies. Uh, yeah, and that they built an to, army. Yeah, exactly. To go and smash uh, uh, the doors and um, liberate the city. That's awesome. I So that's like such a a scary thing i don't know how do you handle that as a dm when like the party just keeps building because we're starting to do that too in our, in our campaign we're just like uh my bard our one ranger's wife was like hired well he was she was like hired to kill me and then we're like wait mm -hmm. don't do that we're gonna turn me in and rescue me after for money but come aboard our ship and then we <laughs> just have uh, a monk that used to travel with us and she's like doing too much work and we're like you're stressing yourself out come with us on our skyship like we're starting to do that i'm like oh no what's what's about to happen right now so how do you how do you handle that as a dm when your pcs uh, just start bringing on leveled npcs yeah <laughs> that is that is definitely a scary thing uh to be honest uh at the beginning at, at the early uh stage of my uh dming career so to say i was way more uh railroady and when right. they were trying to do something i was like no and i just kill off an npc or just you know but now i just uh i try to find the ways to let them bring all those all uh all those npcs but then when they go to a quest um i find some usage of that npc that is more important than going on a quest for example, Rashi, Rashi the troll, which is like CR9 or 8, right. would smash everything. Right. But he had a more important que uh, a quest, uh, that is to uh, meet the ogre that they also saved and to accumulate uh, 200 goblins under their command, which was much bigger. So that's how I just like delegate the, um, the usage or the, their neediness. That's smart, and then like when they go for this big battle, you can kind of run that more of as a a one large army unit instead of having to run every yeah you know yeah and you can yeah. give it like a collective if it's an army of goblins you could just give it like x amount of hit points and maybe they just fire a a, a you know slew of arrows exactly like a carp like a was that three hundred style you know they just like carpet bomb yeah, yeah. the whole thing with arrows Sport like that's. Dance. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's that's great. Um, that's smart. Uh, yeah, I, I, I told. Go ahead. I told them like uh, we we're gonna have an epic uh, epic battle. Uh, D and D is not built for epic battles, right? But somehow we're gonna make it work. And I think that is there. There needs to be communication between players and the DM. Like yeah. I will make you an epic. Will make us an epic battle. But know that we cannot play every step of it. So we're gonna have to. You have to be in that mindset that still we're going to have a singular battles for you guys. And then you maybe yeah. delegate the forces and so on. Yeah. And you, I mean, no, I mean, if you watch, right, you watch Lord of the Rings, it's not, it's really not, it looks like they're taking down the whole army, but they're not. They're in like this tiny little section or sometimes they're split and you got like two of them working on the bridge over here and some of them over here and. So it makes sense that, you know, yeah. you have to have your, your reinforcements, but you can just kind of play it out cinematically on how that goes down. 
Yeah. Uh, getting all of these NPCs in shot, is this party like extremely charismatic or did they just roll really well? <laughs> we have Wish, um, Wish as a character, as a, a PC character, uh, who is a tabaxi, snow with tabaxi bard. Okay. Who is uh, called Wish Upon a Star, and she's so lovable and oh. so easygoing, <laughs> and she just makes friends everywhere. And I just adore having uh, role play moments with her uh-huh. because there goes Rashi, the big troll who will yeah. not let you pass. And she goes, like, You have nice fur and nice dreadlocks. And she rolls Persuasion plus 23, and Rashi's <laughs> like, Pet me, please. Just pet me. Just pet me. Come. That's up on so my... funny, man. Tabaxi Bard seems to be like the, the thing recently. Like I've had some. My last episode with my cousin, he played a Tabaxi Bard. Uh, I was listening to, I think it's the In the Land of Cheese and Sauce podcast uh, with my friend Jacob Chorus. I think one of their characters plays a Tabaxi Bard. I ran a one shot for someone else, played a tabaxi bard. Everyone just likes the nice. the tabaxi bars. The nails are good for the strings, the finger picking. Exactly. No. <laughs> exactly. Um, and they do love the sh- the shinies when you pay them. They gold. do like the shinies. Yeah. I haven't played a tabaxi yet, but uh, it's maybe on my list. I think I like the idea of a leonin a little bit more, the lion, the kind of bigger cat. But they're all. I like the weird races a lot. I like the more. I'm like you. Other than halflings and anything that's like half animal like turtles or yeah or uh satyrs or anything like that always seems like fun to me because uh because yeah. i'm already a human and humans exactly. are pretty which ironically once again i'm not a big fan of the human race and i'm not a huge fan of bards and i'm playing a human bard right now uh <laughs> but i put my own spin on it but yeah i don't know why like i'm already a human i don't want to play a human even though they get that extra feat which is nice <laughs> Yeah, let's let's try let's try Ganassi, you know. Let's try Yeah, uh, those uh, ones are to cool. See, uh, to, to have your your body blend with the, with the element. Elements, yeah. That's a very exactly. cool one. Um, uh the rabbit it? folk one is cool too. I like all the like the weird special abilities that that the animal ones get. They like it's just not typical. Um yeah. what other uh what other classes do you have? What what's your what's your team? The the core team, not the army. <laughs> uh, the core team of uh, of the campaign. Yeah. Uh, so we have uh, we have a human paladin uh, of vengeance. All right. Uh, that uh, uh, wreaks havoc. So yeah. she, uh, Avery, is formidable. Formidable. She is so powerful. Um, we have a tiefling ranger. Cool. Uh, we have a furbolg uh, priest, who is who is the most corrupted, most comical. <laughs> uh, uh, a priest ever so he he's like he's he's following skadian which is a dragon deity uh in dreon and uh he's like yeah i followed the dragon but you know i like to go and have some fun at night and so on and so forth so that was a really uh comical uh relief and we have a warforged uh that was warlock and now is wild magic sorcerer he had the whole a warforged of... wild magic sorcerer slash warlock. That's interesting because, like, you when you think warforged, you don't think charismatic. How do they um? How do they flavor those spells? Are they like more like mechanical, or is it still come out like traditional magic? Uh, so uh, the way the the warforged work in in Dreon is that the the stormstone that I was that I was talking about is oh, okay. embedded in is embedded in their uh, chest. It is their heart. So every every power 
comes from uh, that stone. And um, they they did uh, they they did some reflavoring of some of the abilities, but then we really hit the jackpot when it was a whole character arc. Uh, he was uh, he found his maker, uh, which forsaken him, and uh, and so on and so forth. And they took his life at the end. It was really emotional, really really heavy. So uh, the Warforged, he just uh, just said. I will forsake my old ways and I will become new. I will uh, have a rebirth. And because how stormstones are volatile and unstable, he said, I will be a wild magic sorcerer. And it was a jackpot. That's really, awesome. Really good. So instead of like using that quote unquote patron who made him, uh, he's just like, I'm just going to use what I have now and try and yeah. develop it myself, which is cool. It's like that kind of creating your own innate magic. Um, yeah, I like that. It's it's interesting to me, like a Warforged. I thought we thought a Warforged like Eldritch Knight would be really cool because like the way the spells could work, it could just mm. like look more like a like mechanical in a sense. Mm. I kind of like they, that. They're flare. big and burly. Yeah, um, but but having it be like just straight magic user is very interesting. All right, nice. Um, what other fun story? So what what kind of other other than taking all of your NPCs for their army uh, yeah. has been occurring. How long have you been playing this game for? How long has this campaign been going on for? So this uh, campaign for, uh, I think, a year. Cool. Year in, a year in something. Year in, in something. Um, so I have, I have a pretty cool story. Uh, actually, one of the players that uh, plays in this current campaign, I played in, in that, uh, it was one of our very first campaigns. And it is uh, well. You had to be there uh, mm -hmm. to to know that story. So, the party was hired. Well, they were not hired, but they um, were chasing that witch. They were chasing uh, a witch to find and uh, to liberate. And, this was and that first the the initial kickoff. Yes, yes, awesome. yes. Uh, which the initial kickoff, the same quest I ran for two groups. So the initial kickoff I ran for one group. But then the same I ran for this group that I'm telling the story about. Cool. And um, they were uh, chasing to find the, the witch and uh, uh, to see how to defeat it, to, to defeat her. And they were bound to go from the capital to the dwarven city uh, for, uh, for to, to find something, a next, next clue. And uh, they took an airship. It was five days of travel uh, under fair weather and off they went. So for first three days, nothing happened, right? It was all peaceful. Uh, everything was good. They were uh, making acquaintances with uh, friendships with uh, the crew, with the captain. They were playing cards, partying. Everything is good. Everything is fine. And then one night, uh, in dusk, at dusk, um, a crew member comes in, and uh, they were some war horns uh, are blowing, and he goes, Captain, Captain, uh, uh, Sky Pirates. And the captain and, uh, and the crew and, and um, the party goes up, and the captain starts barking orders, tighten the sail, everything, let's try to dodge them. And from the sky come three blue vibrants, uh, which were tied to one uh, uh, player's backstory. And on them were three riders. And they were so far away, so they, they cannot be hit by ballista and, and everything, but still chasing after the ship. 
and they mm-hmm. try to un- outmaneuver, go left and right, left and right. And eventually, the fight breaks loose. The fight breaks loose. And uh, the Sky Pirates and Vibrants start swooping around and just grabbing the uh, the crew and just tossing oh, them into the air. <laughs> <laughs> right? And um, the players now start to prepare the action. Every time they, when they swoop, they want to hit it. But right. they grow wary because they do damage, but still the crew leaves the ship. Who will, ri- who, who will uh, run the ship? Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And um, they uh, eventually they uh, st- managed to get some uh, hits on them with the ballista and everything. And one of the vibrants lands on the stern of the ship. And the ship is uh, powered by three crystals, the same crystal, storm stones, that sure. uh, uh, levitate the ship, right? And the vibrant starts uh, bashing on one Goliath monk uh, player, starts bashing, and they start hitting each other. The, uh, the Goliath lands a critical. The vibrant lands a critical. Bloodbath. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rider of that wyvern jumps down and starts bashing the crystals. Because he sees that that is powering that, and like he's, I'm gonna mess up. Trying to take the the whole whole ship ship down. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Meanwhile, the rest of the party, they're still trying to dodge the two swooping wyverns that's still going on. Um, They see this guy, they start to hit him, and it was just short of the damage as he slams on the crystal. The crystal bursts open. He He couldn't escape it, he lost his life. Uh, the, uh, that ca- ca- catches uh, the Vyvern as well, killing the Vyvern, and the whole ship oh. goes to the left oh, side. That's so awesome! <laughs> and I just say, okay, dexterity saving throw, everyone. Oh, and they no. roll. So the party consists of a sorcerer, yeah. two monks, and a rogue. Now, the sorcerer, he is uh, the player that plays in this current campaign. So he, he's a very smart player. And yeah. he always positions himself like in between the lines, uh, next to the railing. Uh, right. uh, it, it's impossible to, to get him out. So everyone uh, manages except Rogue, uh, who is also very dexterous, but she rolled a natural one. Uh-huh. And she flips overboard. Oh, no. And now it gets real, because until that point, the party was like, okay, we have some threats. They are throwing up the NPCs. Okay, we are sad for them, but not really. But now it it is one of our own. And as she goes overboard, she remembers uh, that she has a grappling hook, um, like a mechanism on her bracelet, like from Assassin's Creed. Oh, that's awesome. And uh, she fires it. And it pierces uh, uh, the ship. And she goes and slams on the side of the ship. Oh. Now, now that, that was hurtful because back then I was... Now I would rule it like maybe 2d6 damage. Right. But then I was a lot less experienced. So I, I ruled it as 3d8. Oh, jeez. Yeah, that's a I'll lot. Be, of... be, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's okay. <laughs> that's, this is how you learn, right? <laughs> that's how you learn, man. Yeah. And I rolled the dice and it was 7 Seven, eight, uh-huh. and she was left with two HP. Oh! And now party goes okay. So she's on the side of the ship. There are still two vibrants with two uh, riders on it. 
But then comes one of the vibrants, clings on top of her, and just starts to finish her off. Right. And 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 they're like, okay. And she was a, a newer newest addition to the party, and they were like, okay, we cannot let her die. Like she just she's playing with us for maybe like a month. Like we have to save her. And one of the monks, the human monk, sees the other vibrant, and he jumps on him. So he jumps on him, he pummels uh, the rider with their key 17 hits, right? And just drops the um, the rider uh, into the abyss. Mm-hmm. And he clings onto the rider, uh, onto the Vyvern. But now Vyvern is like, who are you? I don't you? know you. Yeah. <laughs> I now did not sign rodeo. up for this. <laughs> yeah. So now it's a rodeo. Yeah. And the the... Uh, the vibrant just do does a barrel roll, a death and, roll, him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and just here, well, help yeah. me, well, just going in circles, uh, and eventually, uh, the vibrant uh, tosses him off the back, and this is all happening in one round. Seeing that the Goliath uh, uh, monk sees now uh, the rogue, which which uh, whose rope broke, and she was also falling. Oh my As gosh. the vibrant, vibrant managed to pierce the rope. So sees the rope falling, sees his fellow monk falling, and he decides to jump on the same vibrant that uh, uh, the monk was on a few seconds before. Oh my he gosh. He jumps, he rolls a natural one for uh, oh no. acrobatics, <laughs> and just goes, <laughs> just goes past, past it. Past everybody. <laughs> past everybody. And the best part is that the crew uh, that was like 70% dead, uh, there was one crew member uh, who was still active on Ballista. And uh, he, they had that big scaly, scale-piercing uh, bolts, right? They were yeah. pretty heavy. So I rolled a strength check for him to see if he can, when he shoots, if he can uh, pull it back up, reel it up. Right. And for six turns, he couldn't roll a strand check above five. Oh my god! <laughs> so everything was everything was loose, and now the players were like rooting for him to low uh, to to roll below the five uh, because it was so comical. And for six turns, he was like, "I got you, I got you," and just really. So who was really... on the end of the gra- Who was on, at the other end of this? Everyone. Uh, uh, at the end of what? At the end of the thing, he was cranking up. Was it the? Oh, it, it was not no one. He was just shot the ballista. Oh, but okay. It, it missed, so he tried to. So he's trying to get it right and get right back. So, 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 so he can shoot again. And now the sorcerer, who was so careful uh, with positioning, with usage of spells, with everything for past hour and a half, in one round, the three of his party members are falling. Falling, yeah. And I ask him, Floetic, what do you do? And he goes, well, I uh, toss my cloak, I grab the railing, and I jump off. And as I jump off, I look at the, <laughs> the guy who is railing, and I, I, I give him thumbs up that, that I believe in him, and I just dive straight down. And this is where it really got intense, because I have not anticipated this. They have not seen this coming, and I don't know how are they gonna survive. I don't want to. I don't want to TPK the party. 
Right. Well, it wouldn't be a TPK. You got the one guy up there still cranking away. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, they, they, they're falling, and it is four of them. And uh, Floeric, the sorcerer, goes like, okay, so we are falling. And I'm like, yes. He's like, we are falling, like, weightless. And I'm like, you're falling, and in a half a minute, you will stop falling forever. And he yeah. goes, okay, okay. So technically, we are weightless. And it is one of those moments that... You're like, uh, oh, God. <laughs> that, that, that players... That players yeah, toss at you, and you start to like remember physics and be yeah. like, "Is it a mass? Okay, they have a mass, but they're weightless. What? What is the formula?" How? And I just go, "Yeah, what are you weightless. trying to do? Yeah, <laughs> what are you trying to do?" And he goes, "Okay, so technically," and he puts his hand underneath the Goliath monk. Technically, he is weightless and weighs less than five pounds, and I can use my catapult spell. To shoot him back at the ship. <laughs> and I was like, technically? But the ship is on the cusp of your range, and you have to do, do me some check to, to like do a trajectory, because if he slams on the ship, he'll just keep on falling. And he does a check, and I remember that is the first time I called uh, the DC. I said, you have to beat 18. And I cannot remember if he rolled a 19, Mm -hmm. Or it added up to 19. But he got it. He got a 19. But he got it. And off the monk goes into uh, the ship. He he takes some damage, but he's there with the captain and the guy that is still <laughs> still getting his bolt. And, but now there's three of them. And I'm like, what are you going to do now? Uh -huh. And the other monk goes, well, I'm trying to, when we reach the bottom... I will try to like use shape water to make it like, like a big slide, and I was like, "Yeah, it's not gonna work. You're gonna, you're gonna smash, smash into through, pieces." Yeah. And sorcerer pulls out a small pyramid, which I forgot. So this pyramid I took from Divinity Original Sin. The game. In that game, you have uh, two pyramids, and you have a blue and red one. You twist top of the one, it teleports your party to the location of the other one. And I gave them only one pyramid in, in the game like four months ago. And I forgot about it. And they never used it because they don't know where it leads. Right. And he goes, like, we, we, we go together, we do acrobatics, we merge together. And it is important that he shot uh, the Goliath because the pyramid only allows three people to be three teleported. People. And he twisted, they disappear and reappear in Thieves' Den. In another danger, but out of mortal danger. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 that's crazy. Wow. What a what a wild turn of events. That's, um, I'm impressed. I guess, I didn't think you could use catapult on a person. I thought it had to be an object, but I guess you could have just used an object, like catapult your clothes and your wearing yeah. them kind of thing. But that's that's hilarious that you can, yeah. Yeah, um, it, was, it was good thinking on there. That's part. some quick thinking. Uh, <laughs> so then, did they? How did they find each other after that? Did they like how far away was it? Uh, so it was. Uh, I posi I positioned the thieves then. Uh, close to the city that they were um, going into. Oh, okay. The Dwarven city. 
So the the monk, the Goliath, he was still uh, on the ship going to, towards uh, the Dwarven city. Uh, but they, they actually found in uh, a whole different sorts of trouble because they were now in the treasury of the thieves then. Oh my gosh. Um, and it was one of the most improvised sessions that uh, I ran because I... I had no clue. Because everything uh, fell apart? Yeah. Everything <laughs> fell apart. Everything fell apart. And basically, they uh, rummaged around uh, the, the, the treasury. They found some items, uh, stuff of charming and so on and so forth. And in comes the little goblin, right? To check him out. The sorcerer charms him. And with some crazy persuasion skills, they manage not only to get out of the treasury, but they manage to come back in, like one, uh, what, like three hours later, to speak with the head, uh, the 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 uh, of the of the thieves guild, and to sell the story about a treasure of Anarok, which is uh, a, a vast treasure, a vast airship that is to be crashed, and uh, that, that crashed actually. And there is a vast treasure to, to be found. And they did the sorcerer uh, with high charisma, rolled a natural 20. So they did an awesome job that now 20 years later, in this, in, in this very world of Dreon, there, there are people who seek the treasure of Anarok, right? Mm -hmm. So they are, they're like considered lunatics, but they believe there is a treasure of Anarok that they will find. That's hilarious. Uh, Follow-up question. Yes. What happened to the two on the ship with the two wyverns? Uh, the, the, uh, the, the monsters. Yeah. Uh, the they... ones that were left behind with the two wyverns that were killing off their party. Yes. And now yes. they don't so... have their teammates. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they, they managed to kill them. Uh, okay. I role-played a little bit of that. They managed to kill them. And uh, it was all managed, and uh, they converged again. Wow, that was that's bonkers. That's I didn't even. <laughs> Thank you. Oh my gosh, Please. that's that's hilarious. What what clever? I it's great that players are clever, and it's important. Yeah. I, I I it's fun to like do things and hold on to things until the very end until you like really need that and i'm always i'm always on that that train i like don't like using my items unless it's like super specific yeah. i mean i held on to a to an inspiration once for like months i was like no i don't, <laughs> I don't need it yet i was rolling great for months and i was like yeah yeah i was like this was an inspiration given to me by uh the traveler that i get one use out of and i saved it until the last fight of the entire campaign are you kidding me? Yeah, and I ended up rolling, and wild magic surge happens, and it ended up spawning us a unicorn, which pretty much yeah. helped us fight the main boss. So I was like, see, if I didn't save that to the end, Whoa. I could have wasted it on something stupid, you know, yeah. like a like a you know whatever. So it was like, you you just sometimes you just know, sometimes you just know that you just want to like, so like having that pyramid, just like one day we're gonna need this. I don't know where it goes, but yeah, teleporting anywhere other than certain death is. Mm -hmm. It's great. Uh, love yeah. that. Oh that my god, awesome. that was a wonderful story. Uh, very flushed out. Thank you for that. Um, did you have any other shorter ones that you wanted to share, or was that your? Uh, uh, it is. 
well it is my 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 main one um i have a i have a shorter story uh i'll keep it short uh, sure let's do that one because i do like to get a clip unfortunately i don't think i'll be able to clip that uh one uh it was a great story um and (laughs) i'm sorry sorry to to no no so much no there's no there's no problem with that at all um i could like splice bits and pieces of it but i want to hear one more because i just want to make sure i i can at least either some portion of that previous story or whatever you have now i want to make sure we get you a good clip but that was an amazing uh, story i loved it thank you thank you so i will give you give you a two-minute clip um sure so the party um the party on the same quest but a different uh, different group still trying to find and kill um the witch uh they were trying to find a star stone which is something that will help them uh, rel- relinquish the witch right they were deep into the mines deep 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 into the mines and uh, they battled they went left and right they used all their resources uh, they stumbled upon uh, uh, a big uh, waterfall they jumped they lost some health they were beaten up but they were on the track party's ranger goes first and he goes like I will go and investigate and see where uh, where the stone is. And he follows the Arcana Trail. And he goes and goes and goes. And he goes into a big cave. And he sees a beautiful star stone mm-hmm. embedded in the rock. And he's mesmerized. And he does not see the shadow. Well, I described him a shadow, but he ignored it. It ran past. And he goes to the rock. Uh, goes for the star stone. For his surprise... That starstone was a prized possession of an Umberhook, which was a formidable threat for the whole party, let alone for him alone. So the Umberhook just starts trashing him left and right, Mm -hmm. and uh, he goes down, and he remembers that Umberhooks like the shiny things, like they Mm -hmm. are the guardians. And as he is down, he extends his uh, uh, heavy crossbow, and he goes... I will shoot the stars, the star stone out of the rock. And I was like, okay, it's gonna be hard. But he shoots it. Mm-hmm. The star stone plops into the air, and I'm like, okay, what now? And he goes, my pet Gary, which is a raven, grabs the stone mm-hmm. and just starts running. And as they start running, they meet up with the rest of the party and they just start to beating up uh, up th- this Hulk. Unfortunately. The Umber Hulk, as they are beaten up pretty bad, is um, winning. And he's tossing them left and right, left and right. They're trying to tie his legs and everything, but it's not working. And they cannot escape because they were like in a maze-like tunnel. And they were, they're certain they will lose. And I don't know what to do. And I remember that four months ago in, in our time, so about a month in game time, the party fought a werewolf, and mm-hmm. one of the PCs was bitten, mm-hmm. and he failed a constitution saving throw for lycanthropy. lycanthropy. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just like, this is it. So as they were like dying and going left and right, I just say, Rowan, you start feeling your, your body just transform, and you, it is itchy, and you uh, rip apart, and you transform into a giant werewolf. And now the whole uh, the whole fight was a werewolf against yeah. an Umberhook with the party helping, and at the end, they managed that's to kill. awesome. So you're just waiting for that right moment. 
I never yeah. understood, like I never knew how to play that out. I ran a one shot for someone and they got like for a group and they got bit. One of them got bit by a were rat and failed. Um, we never continued it, but I was like trying to think about how I could do it. Um, I thought it'd yeah. be fun to like, I was making him once a day roll like a uh, constitution saving throw yeah. or wisdom. I was doing wisdom saving throws, like keeping uh-huh, your mental dude. awareness. Mm-hmm. And because it was a were rat, I was in the beginning, I was making it funny where he would just turn into a regular giant rat because they can do that. And then he was just like, I was like, but you're a rat. So you're running around pooping all over the place. And like, so <laughs> like every like couple days on their travel, he would turn into a rat. And then the party was just spent like a couple hours just trying to hold him in place and just like scrambling around. Um, but eventually awesome. I was going to have it turn on him where every time he failed, the DC kept getting higher and eventually it was going to go more into where rat status uh because i looked it up and i was like you're level three you can't be this strong no way because like yeah. a legit where rat is very dangerous and very strong um i was like you're pretty much immune to everything yeah. <laughs> that is and non-magical just bite everything. yeah i was like you're completely immune to everything non-magical and it says the effects stay on when you're still even when you're not in where rat form from what i read yeah. it could be wrong yeah. i could have tweaked it but that yeah. gets very finicky when it's like it's bad, but eventually you're gonna turn on, you know, or it's good in the beginning until you eventually start turning on your party. Mm-hmm. So, but things happen yeah. and things get busy. But uh, yeah. thanks for thanks for hanging out. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you um, take some time, uh, Nico? Just talk about Elven Firefly. Talk about any mm-hmm. other projects. Any plugs mm-hmm. you got to do? The floor is yours. All right. Thank you so much. So first of all, thank you for having me. This was a blast. Yeah, uh, I love this uh, convo. And uh, if you have me, I'm gonna return some uh, someday in the future. It was uh, a very pleasant conversation. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so uh, Evan Firefly. Uh, what I do with Evan Firefly is um, that I make system agnostic adventure locations uh, that are easily um, modifiable, and you can put them in your campaigns either as a whole or in bits and pieces. It has just enough information for you to have a one-shot or uh, a mini-adventure or, you know, to run it as it is. And uh, I create some quirky, wholesome NPCs that really uh, stays, uh, that, that really stay with uh, in your heart and uh, do some articles that are uh, have inspiration, uh, some lore, um, and advice for you to uh, hopefully run some better games to enrich your gaming experience and find something in them. Awesome. Love to hear that. Thanks so much. Uh, yeah. And this was great too. I'll definitely, you know, I'm going to, I'm starting to, I'm going to start circling back some past guests. Um, mm-hmm. cause it's great to kind of follow up and, uh, I'll add you to the discord too. We have a discord where actually Absolutely. on Sundays probably just went off on noon, our time, we kind of give updates on what's been going on in our game. So, Welcome to awesome. join our, our small little little group. Um, and anyone else who wants to join, you can find the, the Discord link uh, in, my, in my descriptions and stuff. We roll initiative every, every day, uh, and we laugh. Uh, sometimes people do great, other times we don't, and then we, we say we're going to get back in bed. We kind of judge our day by our initiative rolls, but it's a good time. Uh, follow the show. Um, if you like the show, if you've been enjoying it, uh, leave me leave us uh, a good review. It, it helps a lot. It's awesome. And as I always say, if, if you don't want to leave a good review, um, if you don't like the show, don't leave a review because that's how you should do it, right? Because that's what we were taught when we were kids. Um, yeah, if you want to be a guest, uh, you can either reach out to me on Twitter, uh, T. Comedy. That's what Nico did. 
Um, and then you can also email me at you had to be there at dndpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, anyone who is kind of maybe just joining us for the first time, the episodes drop every other Wednesday, uh, or you can catch us live here on Twitch when we go live. And uh, yeah, uh, my intro, the music for my intro was created by Michael James McGarry. You can follow him at it's MJ Made on Instagram and SoundCloud. And my logo was created by Nicole Summers from the Reliably Chaotic podcast. And uh, all the other information you're smart enough you can find out. It's in the bios and stuff. So uh, thanks for joining, everybody. Thanks for listening. This has been You Had to Be There with Nico Mitrovich uh, from Elvin Firefly. All right. Bye, everyone.